Exceeding Expectations, episode 27. This week's guest is John Rulin, author of a really amazing book called Giftology, which is all about the art of gifting. For mostly for business, it does talk about personal relationships as well, but it's more concentrating on business relationships, how you can win relationships by gifting, how you can maintain your relationships, and and some of the areas where people tend to go wrong by giving the wrong gifts, which can result in a very bad return on investment, and also low costs per impression. And if you're not sure what that means, well, John, John will be explaining exactly what that is. He covered, we cover much, a lot of ground in this episode, such as um, give some advice on what you can do at trade fairs, wedding fairs, that sort of thing. Some advice for, for speakers, thought leaders, coaches, why women are so much better at giving gifts than guys are. If you like this episode, why not pop along to the Facebook group for Exceeding Expectations, pop some questions on there or some thoughts about things that you've heard. You can also suggest future guests that you'd love to hear interviewed on this show. That would be great. So hope you enjoy this episode. And here's John Rudin. This week's episode of Exceeding Expectations, I'm very excited to have John Rulin as my guest. How are you, John? I'm uh, fantastic, Tony. Uh, and John, for those of you who do not know, is the author of an amazing book called Giftology. Well, and it's not, it's not simply called Giftology because we have to give it its full title, which is <laughs> Giftology, the art and science of using gifts to cut through the noise, increase referrals and strengthen retention. That's got to be the longest title of a book ever, isn't it? <laughs> it might be. It, it very well might be. Well, if it was just Giftology, nobody cares about gifts. Everybody cares about what gifts deliver. So if it was just titled Giftology, nobody would take a notice. And, and when did you when did you release the book? Uh, it, it released about two and a half years ago. Uh, was when it when it went live. What were your expectations before you actually did release the book? Well, I mean, I really wasn't sure. I was hopeful that, you know, there's no other book on how to use gifting, gratitude and generosity as a profit driver in your business as a as a true competitive advantage. And so the hope is that it would become the definitive book in the category of, you know, everybody talks about relationships being their most valuable asset, but nobody really gives tangible roadmap of how to use that gifting is usually viewed as like swag trinkets promo, which is the antithesis of what we teach. And so I was hopeful that it would, you know, it'd take me from being a, you know, $5,000 speaker, you know, up the ladder and it's, you know, it's worth, I mean, we're now getting 25 to 50 grand to go keynote and speak, which for a farm boy from Ohio, milk and goats, like that's a, that's crazy. That's what you should make in a year, not in a speaking engagement. So it really has launched us. You know, I've been doing this now for 18 years. I started the business when I was in college, but it really, it positioned us in people's minds, even clients I've had. 15 years, they read the book and they're like, now all of a sudden they're listening to me differently. So it's been a weird experience to have somebody that's known me all along to treat me differently because a book came out. But, you know, we put our heart and soul into the thing and and, uh, the ripple effects are starting to go global, which is pretty crazy. 
And and you've been, I mean, we, we had a brief chat before the recording started and you've been on some major podcasts, you know, the likes of Pat Flynn and Yard of Charm and Lewis Howes and probably probably many more as well, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, the, the, One of the most surreal things that happened in the last six months was the New York Times reached out uh, and they were pitching us on why we should mm-hmm. why we should get interviewed for an article. And I would have given my left arm five years ago to even had been mentioned in, in a New York mm-hmm. Times article. So, I mean, we've, we've been really fortunate. Fast Company flew us out to uh, to record a video series in New York about, you know, using gifting. Um, and so, yeah, the media has been really kind to us. I've been really fortunate um, to uh, to have a lot of great coverage. And has there anything that's resulted as um, that's from the book that you didn't really expect? Has there been any unusual things? Um, well, I, I mean, kind of what I mentioned before, I, I, I thought it would become a lead magnet and people would read it and reach out and say, hey, you're the gifting expert guru. Like, you know, I got a thousand employees and I got 500 clients. Can you help me? But I wasn't expecting it to change how my current relationships engage me or treated me and my team. Mm. And so I think the fact that even people that know me or that have been around me and that, you know, already use our principles of gifting and gratitude as a profit driver for their business and to drive referrals and whatever else. Like I was shocked that they would meet mm. it and treat me differently or even treat what I was saying. Like some of the stuff that we've been teaching people are like, man, that's, that's, that's man. When did you come up with that? Is that like new? And I'm like, no, I've been talking about that for 17 years. And they're like, wow. really? And I'm like, yeah, somehow you read it in a book and all of a sudden it's magical. So, so yeah, the, the treatment from our current relationships was, was probably the biggest surprise. And when, when, was it, when was it you first started thinking about writing a book? Um, I've thought about it for probably six or seven years. I tried to write it on my own and, you know, I get like 10% of the way done and like, I would just have like writer's block and I would, I would just find every other way to distract me as, you know, as much as possible. Um, and when, once I, I sold half the business to my business partner, you know, 11, 12 years ago, and he started to really nudge me and say, dude, you got great stuff here. You're starting, you're speaking is, is, uh, is awesome. He's like, we just need a book. And I'm like, I don't know if I have enough for a book. And so, you know, I started to do some podcast interviews through like guys like Hal Elrod, who's one of my best friends. I've grown up in Cutco together for like 20 years and started to speak it out. And I realized, you know what, there, maybe there is enough here for a book. And that's when we reached out to, to, uh, to some buddies at Scribe. They used to be called Book in a Box, uh, Tucker Max and Zach and, and JT and those guys. And one of my mentors, uh, Cameron Harold, was like, man, you really need to talk to the guys. They'll help you. And sure enough, from the time we signed with them on the dotted line, but when it was published it was six months later. I mean, they really accelerated things and made it easy. And, and so super grateful for, for them. If, if it wasn't for them uh, and my partner kind of nudging me, there still wouldn't be a giftology book. Cause it, uh, it was, you know, it was a fear of mine that I was like, man, I don't know if this, if this is going to work or not. Hmm. And, and since the success of the book, have you thought about doing a follow-up? Uh, if you would asked me within the first year, I would have said, heck no, like not a chance. Um, there's only one Giftology book. There's not a Giftology 2 coming out. Um, we've since mm-hmm. created courses and some other things. But I think what I've realized is that there is, a you know, like anything, like if you're growing and pouring into yourself, like you learn things. And so I don't know that there'll be another giftology book, but there I can see like I, I committed to the launch for my book to be most people commit like five weeks or five months. My commitment was I was going to do something book related every week for five years. 
and it was going to be a five-year launch. And so I'm two and a half years in to a five-year launch plan. So I can see in like 2021 launching something, I, I have kind of a concept around the uh, the five love languages that I'm uh, throwing around in my head. And, and uh, I think that there's a need for another evolution of how to love on people and build relationships. And so, uh, so the simple answer is yes, I, I, I can see. Now, if I never write another book, I, I feel really good about the book that I have out in the market. I feel like it's it will stand the test of time. But um, but I do think that there's an opportunity for another book to come out of John Ruin. Oh, let's just take a step back. I mean, for the for the people listening who aren't familiar with the book, do you want to just give a brief description of what the book's all about? Yeah. So so like I talked about before, like nobody cares about gifts. Like most people don't. Like they feel like oh, it's like a warm fuzzy thing you do around the holidays or Christmas or you know if somebody's been with you as an employee for fifty years. Here's your gold watch. And what I realized is that. There's a big, everybody says relationships are their most valuable asset. And people are like, oh, I have loyal employees. Oh, I have loyal clients. They stick with me. And somebody collecting a paycheck or somebody sticking around with you until a better offer comes along is not loyalty. That's passive loyalty. Mm. And active loyalty is where you have a client that's actively sending you referrals or you have an employee that's actively filling other seats on your bus and recommending their friends and family to come work with you. And so active loyalty is really different than passive loyalty. And people, you know, that are feel loved on and inspired become active loyalists. So if your clients and your employees aren't actively sending you referrals, then you have a loyalty problem. And most people don't realize that they don't they don't even realize that they have a loyalty problem. So giftology by its very nature is really just a roadmap and a system on how you love on all of your relationships, whether it's your clients, your prospects, your suppliers, your employees in a way that communicates to them that they matter, that they're VIP, that they're special, and then they inspire them to take and reciprocate back to you act of loyalty. And that could be in the form of referrals, could be in the form of of doing the extra mile for you if you're an employee. And so really, most people are starved for affection, for love, for acknowledgement, for appreciation. And so really, at a core level, our firm, people, companies hire us to do all of their gifting for them. And it's not like, hey, I want to buy 10,000 T-shirts with my logo on it. It's how do I appreciate people in such a way where, you know, it's, it's really it's like, how would you appreciate your spouse? Well, you'd make it personalized. You'd go all in. You'd do the most you could do. And so giftology is really just a roadmap and a system of how to think about your most important relationships and how to love on them in such a way that they want to reciprocate and advocate on on your behalf. When I was reading the book, so it's kind of started off, I remember you were you were selling knives. <laughs> and is that how is that how the idea first sort of came about to start giving gifts? Yeah, yeah. People sometimes when they hear giftology or they hear that we work with like the Cubs and some professional sports franchises, they assume that I grew up in like a wealthy home. Maybe it was part of the country club in like Los Angeles or New York or some you know global like hotspot. But I, I grew up poor. I grew up a farm boy milking goats, one of six kids on 47 acres in the middle of Nowheresville, Ohio, like in the middle of the country. Mm. And I, I, I didn't like blue collar work. So I, went, I thought I'm going to get really good grades in school and I'm going to go get out of this and go make a lot of money. And I was going to go be a doctor. That was I was going to go to med school. And really, I learned a lot of what I teach from a mentor of mine. It was my girlfriend's dad and he was an attorney. And as I was selling the knives, I went and pitched him. Um, giving away Cutco to all of his clients because he was the kind of guy that he would find like a deal on noodles and he'd buy like a semi-load of noodles and everybody at church the next Sunday, like 300 people would walk away with like 
20 cases of noodles. And I'm like, Paul, why would you do that? Like, that's 20, 30 grand. Like, that's a lot of money. And he's like, did you see their smiles? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, of course they were smiling. Like, it's even the most evil person on the planet would smile if you give them a year's supply of noodles. And he's like, but that's just who I am. So I thought maybe he'll give away, you know, all of his clients are CEOs of insurance companies, lumber yards, home builders, construction companies. Maybe he'll give away po- these high-end pocket knives that Cutco made because they're all into hunting, fishing, and the outdoors. And uh, he changed my life forever. He's like, John, can I order 100 of those pairing knives? And I'm like, you want to order 100 kitchen tools to give away to a bunch of grown men CEOs of multi-million or billion-dollar companies? I'm like, why? And he said, John, in 40 years in business, the reason I have more referrals and access and, and, uh, and engagement with my relationships is I found out one simple truth. And that simple truth is if you take care of the family – and business, everything else seems to take care of itself. And so for me, it was a lightning bolt moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, like Paul understands what it wasn't about the knife. Although to this day, people will be like, John, what's the hot new gift? And I'm like, the stupid knives. And they're like, no, you still sell the knives. And I'm like, we sell millions of dollars in knives. Like it's our number, like it's the most universal thing on the planet because whether you're a janitor or the CEO, Every home has a kitchen, and that's where you break bread with your inner circle. That's where you break bread with the people that are most valuable to you. Your family, your celebrations, all center around food and family and breaking bread and food and wine and whatever else. And the knives are one of those artifacts that stick around. So so Paul taught me the power of taking care of the inner circle. That's what we call the inner circle. So somebody's spouse, their kids, their pets, their assistant. And to this day, we still – like my personal gifting budget – has grown to be the, this past year is about 425 grand and and wow. 80% of that. And, it, and I started when I was in college. So I started at doing like $500 a month back then because I didn't, I couldn't afford the crazy things we do now, but, uh, but it started small and built. But to, to this day, like we still spend 80% of our resources and encourage our clients. When we do gifting for our clients, people are like, Oh, I want to send bourbon. Cause all my clients like bourbon or wine. I'm like, who cares what they like? What is, what's their spouse like? And they're like, what do you mean? Right. I'm like, well, they're married, right? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, who cares what the executive that gets wined and dined all the time likes? Make them, him or her look like the hero to their family. Let's do something that's family oriented. And they're like, what? We're going to send something to the family? And I'm like, yeah, who cares about golf? Who cares about wine? Take care of the family. And so 80% of my resources and my clients' resources are all about taking care of that inner circle. So that's part of our recipe. People are like, John, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I'm like, do you want to make bread? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, do you want people to send you referrals? Then follow the recipe. You can't like not put yeast in or you're not going to get bread. So follow, follow the giftology recipe. And one of those is taking care of the inner circle. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not a good client for us. Because people that aren't willing to follow the, the simple steps they won't get the results that we're getting for our relationships. And you had some pretty good stories in a book about, about giving um, gifts to, to spouses and to families. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of the stories, um, like the knives thing, I mean, we, one of the guys I targeted was Jeffrey Gittimer, um, who's, you know, sold four or 5 million books. He's the number one sales author, I think on the planet over the last decade or two, he charged 35, 40 grand to speak. He wrote the little red book of sales. Like he's just this icon. And I met him at an event and I started to follow up with him and he wouldn't return my phone call. And, uh, and so I sent him an empty block and every month for 18 months, I sent him 18 gifts of knives that were uh, all personalized to him and his spouse. 
about carving out time and about being on the cutting edge of sales. And after I filled this like four or five thousand dollar knife block, um, he he reached out to me and said, John, you're the most pleasantly persistent mofo, except you didn't say mofo. He said, uh, he said, what, he's like, I'm not going to guarantee anything, but if you fly to Charlotte, I'll hang out with you for a couple hours and we'll see what goes. And uh, he's now become a raving fan client. He's included me on his podcast. He's done videos for me. He's referred me to clients. Like One of the reasons we can charge 25 to 50 grand is because guys like him, before anybody knew who John Rulin was or Giftology, he was endorsing me. And so, mm-hmm. and he, even to this day, he'll text me at like 6 a.m. He's like, I don't even want to think about John Rulin, but I'm using one of your stupid knives to cut up an apple. And I'm thinking about you and my, my, uh, my girlfriend, Things are amazing. Like she's talking about you all the time. He's like, I feel like I'm sleeping with your sales rep. Um, and so, so yeah, the, the inner circle is super powerful. Um, and, and, you know, it's not just knives. I mean, anytime you can send something to somebody like, well, I had one guy that, uh, that we were courting and he thought the gift idea was stupid. And I sent him a knife, but I also sent him like a custom leather tote bag that was handmade. And I put his wife's name and initials on it. And sure enough, he was like, He's like, John, I've owned private equity companies. I've owned like investment firms. And my wife is asking about John Rulin on a weekly basis. I can't believe, I can't believe you got my wife to work against me. Like she won't stop talking about you and she's never met you before. And this is a guy who coaches and John Bowen. He coaches some, he, he's like the number one coach in the financial services space for high level affluent wealth managers. And he's like, if it worked with mm-hmm. me, it's, I, I can't imagine what it would do for my clients. And so we started to do gifting for some of his relationships. And how the, you know, he didn't want to follow the recipe either. And I'm like, you don't follow the recipe, it won't work. And of course we did it. And his referrals went up uh, 110% um, from working with us. And he's like, the only thing we changed was the stupid gifts that we're sending out to people. Wow. So, so yeah, I mean, people are like, oh, does this work in real life? And I'm like, I'm not a professor, I'm, even though I get to teach at colleges. As a kind of an adjunct professor at events or whatever else, I'm like, this is this is what I've been doing for 18 years. People ask, like, how'd you get the New York Times and how'd you get, you know, the Cubs as clients? I'm like, we eat our own dog food. Like we send out a lot of freaking gifts and we do it the right way and we don't put strings attached on them. And because of that, like doors that a farm boy should never get through have opened for us because we've practiced it consistently, not once, not twice, not for a year, but we've been practicing it for 18 years. And because of that, there's an avalanche that comes has come back to us uh, in the form of reciprocity and open doors and people advocating for us and, and being active loyalists. Of all of the people that you've helped, all the clients that you've worked with, what can you think of any really unusual stories or really kind of amazing stories? That yeah. Well, um, w- one of the clients that we that we worked with, a, really a proud moment. Um, I always wanted, you know, one of the more iconic pro sports teams as a client. And I sent gifts to a couple of the executives at the Cubs for probably six and a half years. And uh, they finally reached back out to me and said, John, here's your shot. You know, you've, you've loved on us. You take care of us. We're redoing Wrigley Field. And we're ripping out the locker room wood and we're going to throw it away. But we thought maybe there's something we could do with this. Let's call John. And we're like, we don't want to make a paperweight out of it. We want it to be something cool. What do you think? And for whatever reason, I hadn't even seen the wood yet. But I'm like, wouldn't it be amazing if instead of a paperweight or a plaque, like those are lame. What what if we made, they took the wood and built Bluetooth speakers made from Wrigley Field, like this 100-year-old structure. It'd be something that even a billionaire could go buy because it would be a one-of-a-kind. 
And what if you did that for your top four or 500 relationships, your sponsors, your suite owners, people that spend hundreds of thousands or millions or even tens of millions of dollars with you. And they're like, that's awesome. Go do that. We want, we want to do that with you. And I went to a couple mm-hmm. speaker companies and they're like, John, that wood that you sent us is the worst wood on the planet. It's falling apart. Like we can't make a speaker out of that. It'll look and sound horrible. And I'm like, but you don't understand. I've told the Cubs that we could do it. And they're like, sorry, we got, we got to pass. And I'm like, I got to figure out a way to make this happen. So we went in house to our little factory, like a little, like kind of like design studio. We're not really set up to make speakers, but I went to the guys and I'm like, Hey, can we, is there something, or is there a way to remake this wood into 400 speakers? And they're like, we've never done this before, but we'll figure out a way. And so what they ended up re, what they ended up doing is having to re-laminate the wood, like re-glue it all back together. And then they routed it out. I made 400 of these Bluetooth speakers numbered one through 400. And they went out to, it took us, I mean, we had to pull it off in like six weeks. It was like an impossible kind of project, but we pulled it off, shipped them out to people. And even like the billionaire Ricketts family who owns the team was like, this is one of the coolest things ever. It's like, it's an artifact, but it has purpose and it has, it, it has a history and a story, but you can actually use it on a day-to-day basis. And so you know, one of the reasons the New York Times reached out to us was that they saw that the project that we did for the Cubs and they're like, holy crap, if you can if you can do that, you really are the giftology guru. You really are the guy. And uh, and so it inspired them to reach out years and years later so that we've since done other cool projects for the Cubs and some other teams and, and other companies where they're like, man, we got we have, you know, a thousand or five thousand, whatever of our most important people. We can't just send them like a, a cheap bottle of wine or a gift card to Amazon. Like that's lame. That's not going to communicate value to them. And so uh, but the Cubs was like one of those ones where it's like super stressful. But when it got pulled off, it was like, man, this is this is a true grand slam. Like we were just on, we were on cloud nine. That's that's a fantastic idea. And I, I, as you were as you were talking about that, I'm thinking. So when these companies are coming to you and asking for you to give them ideas, and so is it a case of you sort of come up with five, ten ideas, and then to try and decide which is the best of those ideas, or how do, how do you work on the, an idea? For Most of the time, they're they're coming to us, and we're we're coming back to them with one idea, because what what ends up right. happening is people for whatever reason, gifting, they, they're like, oh, I want to see five different ideas. And I'm like, you're going to shop for the idea with your own eyes. Like if you like steak, you want to give everybody steak. If you like, you know, Bose headphones, you're going to, your technology, you're going to send technology. Most people have a really difficult time understanding how to shop and think about gifting as not just a, wow, this is really cool. But, you know, that's why one of the reasons that we don't send out food is, like oh everybody loves food and i'm like well what about if somebody's gluten-free or what if somebody's jewish and you send them a ham what about if you there's a lot of ways to offend people with food and a lot of times when people send food they're not thinking about true roi and cost per impression and people are confused like what are you talking about cost per impression i'm like well if you send this beautiful bottle of wine it's 300 dollars. you think you're a hero the client gets it and if they're into wine they're like oh this is cool they drink the wine how many times did they think about you and they're like one time so I'm like, you spent $300 for one impression. And they're like, they're like, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, what if you sent them a gift and they use it once a day for the next 10 years? You might even spend $3,000 on that gift, but your cost per impression was a dime, 10 cents. I'm like, 
because they thought of you 3,600 times over the next 10 years. Who do you think is going to get the phone call, the referral? You know, who's going to be most top of mind? Who's going to be most trusted? You know, like if you're playing the long game in business, you know that you want to get that phone call when somebody's on the golf course or at a dinner. You want them to, to instantly talk about you. And the reason that I can compete with billion dollar companies is because I have gifts I gave 15 years ago that are still working on and, and giving active loyalty to me, you know, that, that, that I don't even have, I don't have to put any more money in. I don't have to make any more phone calls. Like they're doing their job. And so a lot of the strategies that we employ when somebody reaches out to us, they're like, Hey, we just want to order, you know, 500, you know, jackets. And I'm like, but we don't sell jackets. And we're, we're going to tell you what you should give. You're not going to tell us what to, what, what you want to order. Like if we're just an order taker, go mm-hmm. order it off of some promo or swag company throw your logo on it, ruin the gift completely and call it a day. If you reach out to us, you're coming to us because you have valuable relationships and you want to give a gift, not because you have to, you're giving a gift because you want to inspire some sort of result on the back end. And you understand that we're the experts. You've been thinking about it for 17 seconds. And just because you like Apple doesn't mean it's a good gift. And so it's completely changing the conversation into saying, we're going to help direct what the what the gift should be. And we're going to think about what, what should the gift follow-up gift be six months later? And what should the gift be three years later? So how can we lay out a plan, a system so that your people that you're trying to appreciate are appreciated and feeling the love, but you're not having to reinvent the wheel every time you're doing a gift. So a lot of times when people engage us, they think they're calling to order something. And I'm like, if you're just calling to order something, go find somebody else. But if you're calling, if you want to drive a, a behavior and use psychology to your advantage, then we'll, then then you can go through our process and, and we'll help you. And that's that's whether you're a two million dollar company. We have two million dollar startup companies as clients and we have 20 billion dollar companies as well. It's not a company size. It's more of a methodology. And are you a giver and are you going into this with the right expectations and and really looking to drive something versus most people do gifting because they have an event or because it's Christmas and they want to check the box. And to me, that's a waste of money. I'm not going to spend your money that because that's not you're not going to get any ROI out of it. You might feel warm and fuzzy for five minutes. But who cares? Like that's not going to drive a behavior. When people come to you and they they want some, you to give them some ideas for some sort of gift. And so do they usually just have maybe one or two people in mind and then you give them an idea and they think, wow, I could actually give that to about 20 people. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, if somebody wants to do a one-off gift, we're not the people to call typically. Like it's not scalable. Like I, mm. I tell people they should be budgeting, you know, 80% of their budget to take care of 20% of their relationships. Most people when they're doing gifting, like, hey, my budget's $25 a person and I have a thousand people. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, so you want you know, your budget's 25 grand. If I were you, instead of doing a thousand people, I would spend $250 on 100 people. And they're like, what about the other 900 people? And I'm like, my guess is, if you get a thousand raving fans or a thousand people to love you, they will out get, they will out reciprocate, they will out refer, they will do more business with you. Most people's, you know, 80% of the revenue is coming from 20% of their clients. And, and so when people come to us and they're like, yeah, I want to do this one gift or, hey, I want to do these thousands of gifts. I'm like, you know, who you're sending the gift to is just as important as what you're sending. And most people don't have their list segmented. And so, yeah, most of the time people are like, I want to do one gift. I'm like, if you don't have 20 relationships to appreciate, you're not a good fit for us. Like we're not we're not going to do a one off gift here and one off gift. there. That's not sustainable. Like it's taking up too much of your time and too much of our time. What we can do is lay out a plan. 
your top 20 or top 50 or top 100. And, and sometimes people come to us and say, Hey, we heard about your stupid knife thing. Or we heard about, you know, the crazy $600 mug that you do that like makes billionaires cry. Can we do that? And I'm like, yeah, we can do that. But let's think about not just one person. Let's take let's lay out a plan so you can, it can almost be on autopilot for them and they can go focus on what they need to do. But in the background, our team is executing those details um, without anybody else being aware of it. And so the knives that you you started off selling. I mean, I have you got shares in that company now? I I, I wish um, I wish they're, they're, <laughs> they are private. They are privately owned. Uh, they're about a three hundred million dollar company out of uh, New York. They're like Rolex of guys. Now they treat me like gold. They, they, I mean, they give us. It, I mean, they're more of a partner. Um, but I don't have any ownership in the company. People assume that because of how much I talk about them. They're like, dude, what what do they have on you? Are they are they blackmailing you? Or are they but they, uh, I'm like, no, I, I, I've tried to get away from them and do other things. And I mean, the simple fact is like finding a gift that's universal that can take care of somebody making 50 grand a year or 500 grand a year or something, you know, like different levels. Like there's very few universal gifts out there that, that tap into humanity. And eating is one of those things that even in 2019, and so a lot of the gifts, whether it's knives or like we do these crazy wine tools from Australia that are like four or $500 a piece. And people are like, why would you spend four or $500 on a wine tool? And I'm like, well, if you're giving it to somebody that loves wine and they're spending 50, hundred, $150 on bottles of wine, you know, if four, four or five bottles of wine covers the cost of the wine tool and those are gone in 15 minutes, I give them a wine tool that's, that's 10 times nicer than anything they've ever seen. And they'll use it for the next 40 years. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what I'm giving. One of the things, one of our core values is if you, if you're given a watch give a best-in-class watch. If you're giving a, a charger, give a best-in-class charger. If you're giving a knife, give a best-in-class knife. A lot of times people are like, oh, I'm going to give a watch. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's what, what kind of watch are you giving? And they're like, oh, we're going to give this fossil watch. It's like 500 bucks. And I'm like, all the people you're giving it to are wearing Rolexes that are five and 10 and 15 grand. What do you think that $500 fossil is going to do? And they're like, mm-hmm. Oh man, they're they're probably not going to wear it, are they? I'm like, no, they're not going to wear it. They're going to regift it. They're going to just go in the back of a drawer. They're going to give it to Goodwill. And so, if you spent two hundred and fifty dollars on a mug, it'd probably be the nicest mug anybody ever seen, and they'd actually use it versus spending five hundred dollars on a watch that nobody cares about. And so, oftentimes, it's not spending more money, whether it's a knife or whatever else. Like it's being strategic and going best in class in a category that nobody else is doing. And so that's why like our business cards are $3, our letterhead, I spend $9 per sheet on my letterhead. And people think I'm being frivolous and stupid, but people brag when they get a sheet of steel handwritten note on, like a $9 thank you note shows up, people, that's remarkable. It's like Seth Godin's concept of the purple cow. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of what we're doing is just kind of flipping the script and taking a detail that most people go cheap on, we go 10,000% higher. And I take things where everybody's having a pissing match, at like a trade show or an event, and I cut it out altogether because I can't outspend my competitors. I'd rather redirect that money towards something that's truly remarkable. And by doing so, I get people to talk about us and, and our clients. You just mentioned trade show. So when people are, I forever see on, on sort of Facebook groups and business groups, people talking about, oh, I don't know what to, what to have to give away to people at my trade show. What, what advice would you give to people listening on things they could do for something along those lines? Give nothing. Okay. <laughs> and here's why. 
here's why. If you give out something to a thousand people at a trade show booth, first off, everybody sees that you're giving that out. Does anybody feel VIP when everybody gets something? No, mm. they feel generic. They feel like the masses. Most of the time you're throwing your logo on it and a logo defaces the item because you're trying to, you think you're doing marketing, but you're giving it out to your best clients. Are they going to be wowed by a, um, a golf club cover or some cheap crappy portfolio from China with your logo slapped on it? No, like no, everybody gets those things all the time. They're going to re gift mm. them. They're not going to use them. What I would recommend doing is take the hundred people that you really, that are clients or prospects that you really want to meet with and spend mm. all of your budget that you'd spend on a thousand tchotchkes, spend it on 50 or a hundred pre-gift experiences, sending it to them with a handwritten note ahead of time. So clients will hire us to do this all the time. I'm like, Hey, take the list, shrink it down to the top 50, 100, 250, whatever the number is, and go all in on a smaller number ahead of time, personalize the gift with their name and have the note handwritten. That gift shows up to them. And let's say there's 50,000 people going to a trade show. Almost everybody is getting emails and whatever else. Very few people are sending a gift ahead of time personalize whatever else they get that gift that's what they're likely to do now they'll attend your happy hour now they'll come to your booth now they're coming excited to talk to you versus mm. passing out a bunch of crap with your logo on it that's going to end up in a landfill like i talk to people all the time they're like oh we're so green i'm like if you want to be green stop giving a bunch of crap from china with your logo on it that ends up in a trash can like that's a great way yeah. to be green the other thing is is if you have a show booth and you meet a bunch of great people take your top 100 leads or conversations that you had out of thousands and follow up with a handwritten note, maybe a gift to those people. Cause guess what happens? People have all these great conversations. What happens when those people go back to the real world you know, the grind of business, they're busy. They don't respond to emails. You think you had this like dream 100 client on, on a line and they're going to be a whale for you. And then all of a sudden they go dark. Guess what happens? Mm -hmm. Follow up with a handwritten note and a series of gifts afterwards you extend the experience, you keep the momentum going of what you had, what happened at the trade show. And now all of a sudden you're having conversations with people four weeks later and they're still talking to you and they're moving things along versus what most people do is they have this amazing conversation. They give them a bunch of brochures and crap that they don't want. They get back, they're overwhelmed because they're behind on emails and they go dark. And so instead of you landing this great client, you just pissed away a bunch of money and time to, you know, pat each other on the back and be like, well, our CRM is filled with a bunch of leads. Who cares? Like how many deals did you close from that trade show? And oftentimes it's not nearly as many as it should have been because they didn't have a plan on the pre and the post to that event to stand out from the other thousands of people that are all bombarding those same people with text messages and emails and brochures and the same crap. So if that, that would be my recommendation on how I, I, how we and how our clients approach trade shows. And, but that makes so much, so much sense, yeah. Would you say that women are better gift givers, and, and if so, why? Oh, a million percent better. I mean, it's not even in the same stratosphere. Um, they're better at it because women in general uh, have a way higher IQ when it comes to emotional intelligence. They... Um, they're wired for uh, empathy. Um, they're wired for like most, you know, and this is generalization. It's not that guys like I, you know, I own a gifting company. Like you can learn things and understand like, there is a process to it. But in general, women are more thoughtful. Um, they understand the details matter. They're more likely to understand the power of, of putting thought into a handwritten note. 
personalizing a gift, not making it about themselves. Guys are so ego driven and so selfish and so linear. And so, you know, like, you know, on to the next thing, on to the next thing that women just are better relationship builders in general. Mm. And because of that, really gifting is just an extension of relationship building at the highest level. And, and you think about it and, you know, this is stereotypical, but if a traditional couple, you know, husband or wife goes to a wedding, who's thinking about the wedding gift? Oftentimes, mm. it's, you know, probably 80% of the time, it's the, it's the woman. And they're not like, mm. they're not giving a gift. that's like about themselves. They're giving a gift. that's about the couple, about who's getting married. And so, yeah, there's no question. Most of the people that are giftologists on my team are women. Mm. They get it. Right. They get the process. They understand the details. They're uh, they're way more empathetic. They're way more like they're just every in every way possible. And so, oftentimes, I'm meeting with CEOs that are guys or that are VPs of sales or VPs of marketing, and they're like, "Yeah, that gift thing. Like, we're not getting you know, like we're gonna keep doing our dinners and golf and rounds and ball game tickets and and steak dinners." And I'm like, "Have fun competing with all of your other you know frat boys that are." leading other companies and, and let me know how that works out for you following the same playbook as all your competitors. And they, mm. sometimes they get pissed off, but I'm like, if you would talk to the women around you and in your life and understand that like, this is a way you can spend less money and, and have more impact on your relationships. Women in general, like, you know, a lot of the people that become sales champions and advocates for us, you know, are oftentimes, you know, the assistant and a lot of times, you know, not all the time, but a lot of times those are women and they get it. They just understand it inherently. And so no question, women way better at giftology than guys are. We haven't got a lot of time left. Before we finish, there's uh, quite a few of the listeners of this show are sort of speakers and authors and coaches and so on. And and so for, and, and people who are creating online courses as well, for that matter, what would you say for, for those types of people, what are the best ways for them to get new, like for speakers, you know, to get more speaker bookings and for authors to, to get more book sales? How would they be able to use Giftology? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, some of our best clients um, are, are speakers, thought leaders, you know, are the consultants of the world. They don't have huge budgets, but they have high valuable, you know, high value relationships. It's amazing to me how many people that have podcasts, how many people that speak. They Maybe they send a handwritten note, maybe, to the CEO or the person cutting the check. And I'm like, mm-hmm. there's an event planner that worked her or his butt off. There's an assistant behind the scenes. There's a team. When I send a gift after a speaking engagement, I take care of oftentimes three to six people. And it's not with brownies and like an Amazon gift card. Like I'll send what it, what it would cost to take that person out to a nice dinner around a golf or ball game tickets, which is a sweet spot for gifts. I'll send a two to $500 gift to all of them. And people are like, mm-hmm. but that could be $2,000 worth of gifts. And I'm like, I got paid you know, early on, it was 10 grand. I'm like, I'll trade two grand for 10 grand all day long. That's like an ATM machine that put a dollar, I get $5 back. And people are like, what what if if they can't book you again? And I'm like, guess what? When people go to events, do they, and when they serve on boards, do they ever talk? Like, Hey, who do you have at your conference? Hey, who's a great speaker that you heard recently? Hey, I'm, I'm struggling, blah, blah, blah. Hey, have you read this book lately? Like people talk. And whether they can book you or not, and guess what happens when, you know, when somebody's not well treated as an event planner or as an assistant, they leave and go to another company who also has opportunities to book speakers. So people are like, God, mm-hmm. how many speakers bureaus do you work with? And I'm like, Z- basically zero. I've never been booked mm-hmm. by a speakers bureau. And they're like, how are you getting 25 to 50 grand to speak? And I'm like, 
because I treat all of my C, you know, I treat all my CEOs and their assistants and their event planners and their VPs of marketing. I love on all of them. And I reinvest five to 15% of net profits back into my relationships, five to 15%. People are like, that's too much money. And I'm like, I'll put in, you know, 15 cents to get 85 cents back all day long. And in yeah. casinos do 20% of revenue, not net gross, of all revenue, they reinvest back into their whales and into their high rollers. 20% of revenue. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they know that when they put it, they put 20 cents in, they get 80 cents back. And that's a that's an equation that people will take all day long, but most people don't think about it that way. And they think, oh, this is just a one-time speaking deal, or this is just a one-time consulting deal. And they don't, they're not, everybody, it's sexy because of Gary Vee and whatever else to talk about the long game. There's very mm-hmm. few people that are out there actually playing the long game and building relationships. You know, some of the things that have happened to me came five to seven years after I planted seeds. And so I would, you know, when I talk to my speaker friends or whatever else, and they're like, you know, they're getting paid 10 grand to speak and, and maybe they're a better speaker than I am. And I'm getting paid 30 grand. They're like, how, how are you doing this? And you don't even have a bureau. You don't have an agency. And I'm like, I eat my own dog food. I love on people. I think our message is unique. I think I'm a great speaker, but I'm not better than there's other people out there that are better speakers or better practitioners. But at the end of the day, the people that win in business oftentimes are the people that are like trusted and most top of mind. And when you, that's what Giftology is. It covers all three of those. I think there's just so many light bulbs that just gone off with some people listening at the moment. That was fantastic advice. So just just before we finish, what what would you say, the whole kind of arena about exceeding expectations and over-delivering, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I I think that uh, that, that it's cool to say you exceed expectations. I think very few people do. Um, I think most people hold back 5 or 10% because they're, afraid to be taken advantage of because we all have been, you know, we've come in you know, situations where we poured our whole, our heart and soul into things and people were a taker. They're not, a, they weren't a giver. They didn't reciprocate. And so whether it's relationships with our spouse or whether it's relationships with our clients, like we hold back because we're afraid. And so I would say mm-hmm. that, you know, doing a lot more for a lot less people is to me like this is part of the secret sauce. Like we can't exceed expectations. You know, Seth Godin and those guys talk about all the time. Like it's hard to exceed expectations for everybody all the time. But if you, if you narrow it down to your top 25 of your relationships, your top 50 or top, whatever, then you go all in on those people and pour all of your heart and soul into those people. And you, and you pour your resources into those people. That's where, I mean, you know, Tim Ferriss has talked about it. Like, if you have a thousand in your tribe that are raving fans, those thousand people go out and can do more than a million people that just happen to know about you. And, and so, you know, when we walk clients through a process, you know, I'm like, Hey, you know, like this is the, you know, this is how you have to think. This is like, this is why instead of spending $20, we're going to spend, you know, $500 on a gift and people, and it makes people feel uncomfortable now, meanwhile, they spent $500 on a bar tab the other night and didn't think twice about it. So it's just shifting their perception of where they need to exceed expectations and how to do it not 1% or 2% higher, but doing it 10,000% higher. I would be remiss if, you know, being the gift guy, like if I didn't give, you know, a lot of your consultants and, and, and you know, thought leaders a gift, and that would be uh, all, all of our clients will walk through and some of them want to do gifting on their own. They don't want us to do all their gifting. And they're like, John, can you give us like, a, like some boundaries of things that we should avoid? If we want to exceed people's expectations, like what are the things we need to avoid gifting? 
And we put together a top 10 list of the worst gifts to avoid if you want active loyalty. And they can, uh, if they go to thegiversedge.com, they can download that white paper for free. And it also sends out some of our kind of top, you know, tips and tricks on, on how to gift at a high level. Um, but like food is on there, gift cards are on there. And oftentimes the, the challenge for a lot of people is they read the list and they're like, I give all 10 of those on a regular basis. Like they're horrified that, that that's their playbook, but it at least gives the people boundaries of saying, if they're going to delegate it to an assistant, which I don't recommend doing, that they can at least talk to their team and say, avoid these things. And here's why. And if you would just avoid those 10, you'd probably be in the top 10% of gift givers alone. This might wouldn't the things that, uh, that are on that list. And for gift for your time, if that's something that uh, might be helpful. John, it's been, you've just been so much fantastic information you've given. If people want to find out more information about you, what, which, which sites do they visit? Uh, giftologygroup.com uh, would be a great place to start. Um, and uh, they can dive in there. And we have a course that we, uh, uh, that oftentimes is being given away called Referrals Without Asking. Uh, it's a great kind of place to dive in and understand our methodology and how to get referrals without asking what that looks like and, and how giftology drives that. But, uh, but that's, that's probably the, the best place to, to engage us. Fantastic. Well, I'll put all of, all of the, everything you just mentioned will be in the show notes and I really appreciate your time, John. And it's just been amazing information you've given. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks, Tony. Next week, episode 28, my guest is Marion Ellis. Her background is in property surveying and evaluations and so on. And she now is a speaker and a coach and she coaches property surveyors in how to give a, a better experience to the general public because ma- many people don't realize the difference between all the various surveys that are available for a property and this can often lead to problems down the line and she, she tells us some stories about some yeah, some bad things that have happened because of that lack of knowledge that many people have and how she coaches her uh, surveyors to, to, in order to give them a uh, they can give a much better experience to the customers they're working with if you like this episode why not share it with people you know who might find it useful yeah maybe you know a hairdresser or an accountant that might find some of this information really useful for their business join the facebook group you can just search for exceeding expectations on facebook you could start a conversation about some of the points you've heard on this episode or any other episode and if you have suggestions for future guests or anyone you know that over delivers to their customers please do let me know and lastly if you'd like information on the workshops i run about exceeding your customers expectations and also about increasing your prices then please take a look at tonywinyard.com where you can find some details on upcoming workshops and if you'd like to like me to speak at an event you can also get in touch with me from that site hope you have a fantastic week and i'll see you next week for episode 28